a sulky, over-funky, kinda hulky superhero. A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV show podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. My name is Devin Franchi. I'm one of the hosts of the program. Joining me as he traditionally does. My name is Derek Franchi and I got a room with a chair, got a room with a couch, got a frame photograph of the time I met Alf. Is that an Eels lyric? No, that is from Uniform On from the Bash Brothers special. By Lonely I Island. I don't know. Oh, Lonely Island. Okay, I was going to say, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, the Bash Brothers. I'm, you must have watched the Bash Brothers. I, I did not. You didn't? Oh, it's hilarious. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't. There's like not like a good strong reason why I didn't. It just sort of passed me by. Yeah. You know, sometimes that'll happen. Like a thing will happen and then you just sort of don't get around to watching it and then it just yeah. is gone. I feel like if I remember right, it came out like right when the pandemic started and everyone was like, oh, we can watch this for the week of the pandemic. And then it never ended. <laughs> the pandemic. It like not, it was centuries. Not, the pandemic, you mean, did never ended. Not, not, not the Bash Brothers. The Bash Brothers did end. Yes, it did end. Yes. Uh, how, 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 how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm, I'm very tired. We've had a, we've had a heck of a week here. Um, and I have stuffed my face with Sicilian pizza tonight before recording. There you go. Yeah. So get this. So, you know, you can't get a good Sicilian pizza out here. It's just, it, you, or you can, the thing about LA is that you can find a good version of anything you want, but it's never convenient. Like you'd have to like get in the car and drive for 45 minutes, which is just yeah. crazy to me. Right. Yeah. And there's a local pizzeria that does Sicilian pies. And I ordered one, which I don't usually do because my girlfriend doesn't like the Sicilian. And so why order a pizza that she doesn't want to eat? Right. Um, sure. But to, to tonight I said, you know what? I'm treating myself. I've, I've had, a, I had a rough Sunday. Uh, and I said, uh, I'm getting a Sicilian pizza. And so I did. And I get, so I ordered directly from the pizzeria. Okay. This is not a, this is not a story about Postmates. Yeah, this is okay. a story about direct order from the place, but like okay. like 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 it used to be before apps. Yeah, you would just call the joint and order some pies, and then a teenager would bring it over to your house. Yeah, with fees, taxes, and tip, my Sicilian pizza. I swear to God, from directly from the pizzeria, not like uh, not because I'm, I'm Postmates, it's out of control, right? Directly from the place cost me forty dollars tonight. No, there you go. Thanks, Biden. And <laughs> there was a point where, like, when the total came up and it was like confirm, and I was like, "God damn it!" This came up so late in the process that I have become committed to the Sicilian pizza. <laughs> How many slices is it? Uh, it is eight slices. That's not enough. That's five dollars a slice. That's crazy. I mean, it's a, they're big slices. It's a, it's a, it's an okay Sicilian. It's not my favorite Sicilian on earth. It's okay. Um. It's fine. Uh, it's not $40 fine. I'll tell you that much. Because I'll tell you here, I order from a place called Bellachino's, and their Sicilian pie is 16 slices, and that is uh, $17, $16. Yeah, but I bet the your slices are smaller than my slices. I bet this big. I bet the pizzas are the same size. How big could your pizza possibly be? Uh, I would have to look. I know on the thing they say how big it is, but I mean, it feels like a novelty pizza if you're claiming they're big slices at 16. I mean, when I get it, it's like three meals, three or four meals I get out of it. 
I mean, they're big slices. I mean, all Sicilian slices are big slices, depending yeah. on how you're measuring it. Yeah. I've been, you know, the reason why I got Sicilian is because I have been in the mood for actually a Detroit pizza. Yes. And I have not been able to get one in LA near to me that doesn't have an unbelievable delivery charge. And so Sicilian is the, the next best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's not, it's not a Detroit. I haven't had a Detroit pizza in a very long time. And I guess uh, Pizza Hut does one now. And that's what's got it in my brain is seeing ads <laughs> for the Pizza Hut Detroit pizza. And I go, <laughs> I, I want a Detroit pizza, but I don't want to get it from Pizza Hut. Yeah. I know there was like a Detroit style pizza place that opened up in LA a couple of years ago. I don't know if they're still around though. There's a couple, but again, it's LA. So that means that it's 11 miles from me, yeah. which doesn't sound far. Like if you live somewhere else, it doesn't sound far, but 11 miles in LA, it's like the Oregon trail. I mean, like you might as well pack up a sleeping bag to get 11 miles in this town. Yeah. And, uh, well, I don't know if you listen to the latest last podcast where they discuss the difference between city miles and country miles. It's night and day. It's crazy. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, 11 miles in the country, somebody's like, oh, 11 miles, I live in the suburbs or I live in the country. That's a 15-minute drive. 11 miles here, that's like it's, – it's an investment. Yeah. We, it's, it's much closer to the experience of the pioneers. Uh, it's like, dude, where's my car? <laughs> uh, how's, how's, and how's, how's Michigan? It's pretty good. It's yeah. doing okay. Yeah. There was a good tweet about Michigan white guys that you yes. tweeted. Yes. That made me laugh very hard. And it was three different kinds of Michigan white guys. One was like an Eminem, one was a crazy redneck, and one was a hipster. Yep. Do you feel seen by any of those? I imagine I fall closer to the hipster side. That's my hope, at least. <laughs> well, you do have a beard like the crazy I do redneck. Have the redneck beard. <laughs> so that is dangerous. But uh, yeah, you know, I, and, I, and I am holed up in my home. You know. It w- I would not be surprised if people thought I was like hoarding guns, you know. Uh, you went to the movies this week. I did. I saw, you did. Uh, you you did not go see the movie that the patrons have been begging you to see. No, because I don't do what people tell me. I do what I want to do. F you! I won't do what you tell me. Yeah. So I went and saw Barbarian. Terrific movie, isn't it? Fantastic movie, and it's a Detroit movie, so I'm supporting. It is a Detroit movie. That, I forgot. You know, it's funny. I forgot to tell you there's a Detroit movie, although they shot it like in Czechoslovakia or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, they did some shooting in in Michigan in Detroit. Yeah, they did a little I bit. They threw like, the end credits where I was like, I don't think all this was Detroit. No, yeah, because then, they do some pretty elaborate stuff in that movie, and I was like, you yeah. can't afford to do that in America, I guarantee. And it's like, oh, you can definitely afford to do that in Eastern Europe. Though. Well, here's the thing. You could definitely afford to do that in Detroit. If you were like, hey, we want to take these houses and, that are just empty and do some stuff, they'd be like, yeah, go do whatever you want. Well, not to but, get too spoilery, but they show those houses when they were nice. Yes. And I think you, that's expensive. That's too expensive. That just To do that is too expensive. Yes, that, that's where we get pretty expensive, I think. And also, I, I think I would have heard about it if it was like, hey, right. they – Somebody cleaned up this whole neighborhood. <laughs> would be would be news here. I mean, what I'm assuming they did is they went to Eastern Europe and they built um, facade houses that none of those houses are are real. Yeah, yes, my guess. Um, but terrific movie. Everybody should go see it. It is a bummer that you have not seen Top Gun on the big screen, though. If it I know works the, on the top screen, it doesn't work. That's it does. No, it works everywhere. It's it one of the fine. best scripts. It's one of the. It's probably one of the best scripts of the year. It's an incredible movie. And it's terrific. But on the big screen, it has an extra layer of added thrill that I think you're not going to get at home because they did all of the flying for real. Yeah. Um, it's not like a bunch of CGI 
I'm sure there are CGI planes in the movie. Don't get me wrong. I'm not stupid. But like a lot of the flying is real and a lot of the shots in the cockpits are real. And so when you're watching it on a really big screen, it's very immersive and very exciting. And I'm sure it'll be very good on the TV, but it, it will not be remotely the same thing. But the script is excellent. It is, I think, one of the great examples of a truly strong, well-structured popcorn movie script. Yeah. The kind of script that they don't do anymore because they're rewriting movies on the fly all the time on set. And uh, this movie, though, has such a strong, good structure. And there's like so many thematic things that I think really just pop off in a really great way um, that I I was just incredibly impressed. I, I, I walked out of it stunned by how good the script was. And again, I mean structure. I don't mean like this is not like a great work of you know, uh, uh, playwriting, you know what I'm saying? Like the dialogue is the dialogue, but structurally and, and how things work within the film, I, it's, it's astonishing. And I think that 30 years ago, it wouldn't have been astonishing, but today the, the, the level of screenwriting on blockbusters is so piss poor that a movie that, that just the structure holds together feels like a fucking miracle. (laughs) It's a shocker. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So we are uh, we are here now to talk about Marvel. I suspect we're not going to have a lot of Marvel news this week because we had a ton of Marvel news last week. Which you can hear on uh, uh, Bad Batch. Or Marvel Vision. I put it on both feeds. Oh, did you so, yeah, so it's for, it's for both sets of subscribers. Okay. Well, we do have quite a bit of news, actually. <laughs> we still have news, huh? Yep. Yep. Uh, Sony has moved some movies around, and uh, that includes Grave and the Hunter, which is now moved to October. Okay. And uh, Madam Web, which is moved to uh, February instead of uh, February 2024. And so they moved it out of 2023. They also, and, uh, moved- they also have an untitled Disney Marvel film that is moving to September 2024. It says, well, it says untitled Spider-Man Marvel Universe movie, right? Uh, in deadline here, it says untitled Disney Marvel film. That's all it says here. Interesting. I had seen I had seen Spider-Man Marvel Universe, but I don't know what that means. I guess that must mean Spider-Man 4. Or could it be uh, uh, Spider-Verse 2 or like whatever that one's called? And, right? Cause I don't one, think so. I think that's just Spider-Verse. Spider-Man? I think that would just be Spider-Verse. I don't think that that's because that is not an MCU movie and it wouldn't yeah. be Disney. Yeah. So it's got to be Spider-Man because Spider-Man is the guy that they have to deal with. Unless they made a deal for other characters that I'm not familiar with as part of that. But it doesn't seem the case because they made a Venom movie. Yeah, I don't know. Two, two of them, in fact. But I can't imagine they were like, they'd be like, oh, we're going to have Spider-Man 4 out by 2024, right? Like, that seems pretty quick. It does seem pretty quick. Although I guess they does... filmed Spider-Man uh, No Way Home or whatever it is like seven years ago. <laughs> Well, also the, the shelf, right? So, well, the other thing though is that those movies all were made two years apart. Yeah, they all actually came out really kind of rat a tat tat when, it, uh, you know, uh, pandemic aside. Yeah, so um, it was like, we need the money, guys. Let's go. But it is kind of shocking, like that it's not been that long since the first Spider-Man movie. We already have three of them, and his appearance in like three other movies. <laughs> like, I think it's been six years, I think, and we've had six Spider-Man movies. Yeah, or Spider-Man yeah. featuring movies at least. Yeah. He's, um, he's everywhere. He's been around a lot. It doesn't feel like it, though. No, it, it, it doesn't feel like Spider-Man overkill. That's for sure. Which is impressive, considering how much he's been popping up. 
And when you throw in Spider-Verse, like there's no shortage of Spider-Man or you throw in Venom as well. There's, there's no shortage of Spider-Man stuff out there. Yeah, but it doesn't feel oppressive. You know, speaking no. of Venom, somebody posted on Twitter some Venom 2 concept art. And I've never been more heartbroken oh, yeah? than I was looking at this concept art. Why is that? The concept art is for the final battle of them in the church. In the battle, Carnage fashions himself into the Red Pope. That's pretty cool. And he has a big Pope hat on. and But he looks like Carnage. And yeah. like robes and everything. And then he separates Venom and Eddie Brock and he crucifies Eddie Brock and makes a crown of thorns out of his own carnage material and puts Jeez. it on Eddie Brock's head. <laughs> that rules so fucking hard. That is so good. And like they didn't do it. And I, I'm, I'm heartbroken because the, quite honestly, the finale of that movie is probably the weakest part of that movie. It just kind of yeah. just turns into like a, just a generic smash em up at the end. Yeah. And the idea that once upon a time they had a really exciting, weird idea for the ending it just breaks my heart. Yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, because it's one thing if the ending isn't that good, right? And uh, But it's another thing if the ending isn't that good and they had a better ending at one point. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah, Cruise Finding Eddie Brock is pretty fun. That'd pretty good. Fun. I just love that Carnage turning his own like hand into a crown of thorns and putting that's it on Eddie's head. That's pretty great. All right, what else we got? We have uh, Rashida Oleowala has joined uh, uh, Ironheart. And, uh, okay. She is from the show Southside on HBO, which I greatly enjoy. I think that show is hilarious. I have not I'm watched excited. it. I really like it. Good. I really, really like it. I'll take this as a recommendation from you. You know who else really likes it is uh, Kevin Beagle. Good for him. He's the one that got, turned me on to it. Uh Jeff Loveness has signed on to write Avengers the Kang Dynasty. So we got that going. Loveness, a Rick and Morty guy. The Rick and yeah. Morty guy is conquering the Marvel Universe. Well, he also wrote uh, Quantumania. Yeah, he wrote Quantumania, uh, but he, like Michael Waldron, is a Rick and Morty guy. Yes. And so there's like a big influx of uh, – Rick and Morty does feel like the perfect training ground to write a Marvel movie. I agree. I agree. Uh, a lot of action, funny – Weird concepts. And then also like with. weird emotional stuff. Weird emotional stuff. Yep. yep. Oh, yeah. Jessica Gao of She-Hulk, also a Rick and Morty person. Yes, she wrote Pickle Rick. She sure did. Yeah. Uh, so that's at least three Rick and Morty people heavily involved in the MCU right now that I can think of. And Dan Harmon does uh, joke writing for MCU. Yeah, everybody does. That's or he used one to, of the, at least. I don't know if he still does, but he, he did at one point. They everybody does that. They uh, this has been one of my favorite long held secrets of the movie industry is that they gather thirty comedians in a room and show them a movie, and they all just pitch jokes to punch it up a little bit. Yeah. And Patton Oswalt has talked about doing that with the Transformers movies. Okay. Uh, Dan Harmon talked about doing it for the first Doctor Strange movie, and that they didn't use any of his jokes. <laughs> but he got paid. He got paid to sit in a yeah. room. Yeah, well, the, I, and, and in fairness, in the interview I read with him, he was like, yeah, they didn't use any of my jokes, but I understand why. They didn't fit what they were trying to do with the movie. It would, right. it, it would have been too much. Right. So so there you go. Uh, and then the last news, not Marvel, but DC, uh, Keanu Reeves is going to be making a sequel to Constantine. Truly wild uh, turn of events. Yes. The TV show is apparently canceled that they were working on, and Keanu Reeves is coming back. 
All right. I mean, I am not a fan of the Keanu Reeves Constantine. Personally. I greatly enjoy it. A lot of people do. I am mm-hmm. in the minority on this one. Um, when it came out, I was a pretty heavy Vertigo reader, yep. and I found the movie to be um, one a betrayal of the premise of John Constantine because he's not an American guy. Like I just like, this is, this was like me being, this is like my version of being mad about the little mermaid being black. Yes. Uh, is like, he's not an American. And I was like, you break, I think you break the character when he's an American. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think it's right. I think there's like something very specific about that British thing where he's a punk and also upper crust. I think there's a very specific thing that exists there that yep. you, that you lose. But also I had a real problem with it because the story they used was his defining story. Yeah. His lung cancer story, which really feels like the second or third movie. It doesn't feel like the intro movie. Yeah. But they were like, we can't take 20 to 40 years to get there. Cause we're only going to make one every 10 years or so. So <laughs> more than that, it's like 20 <laughs> years, right? I mean, like uh, 2005 was the last one. So, yeah. so 17 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 17 years as of now, by the time it comes out, it'll have been like 19 years. Yep. If it comes out, they, still uh, they got the director back too, right? Uh, yes. Uh, uh, what's the name? Francis. Francis Lawrence. Back. Francis Lawrence is back and J.J. Abrams is producing. And uh, I forgot who's the. Who's That's really interesting because Warner Brothers had shit canned everything else Bad Robot was doing at the studio. So I'm kind of curious about this. I'm guessing it's something where because he was Bad Robot was doing the Constantine show that they, they get. Involved, they get like involved in some. They rolled in because they shit can. And the shining yeah, prequel Goldman is is uh, writing it, so it's going to be terrible. Um, I mean, that's the end end of story. Like that's a, uh, but they had shit canned his um, shining prequel, and they had shit canned his. He had an original movie that they were doing that was going to cost a good trillion dollars. Was that a TV then, series? I thought it was a TV. Was series. it a TV series? It was an original TV so. series. Yeah, I think that might have been it. Um, that was going to cost a good trillion dollars, and they shit canned that too. Yeah, uh, getting rid of that shining prequel series, uh, a really well dodged bullet. <laughs> oh, suddenly, you, suddenly you like Zaslav. I Zaslav, my man. I'm uh, mm-hmm. I'm I'm part of the Zaslav hive. Uh, you know, speaking of the Shining, um, we watched Room Two Thirty Seven last week, and then that sent uh, my my significant other on a uh, down a, a rabbit hole. She read The Shining which she had never read before. And then she, um, well, first she watched the shining after watching room 237, the documentary about obsessive shining theorists. Right. Yeah. And then she watched the shining and then she read the shining and then she immediately run, read Dr. Sleep. And then she rewatched Dr. Sleep, which we had already seen. And then, um, she watched the shining again. And then all day today, she's been watching the original, not the original, but the 1990s shining miniseries. Stephen Weber. Stephen Weber, my boy Stephen Weber, so so profoundly miscast. I mean, like it is. Stephen unreal. King says it's just, that that's better than Jack Nicholson. I so this is Stephen King's preferred version. He wrote the screenplay and everything. It is so boring, and like I knew it was boring. I had seen it in the nineties, and I remember it not being good. But watching it again today, it is like it is like this this miniseries. This miniseries invented Netflix. Yeah. You know, every TV show is nine hours long, too long, bloated, boring, nothing happens half the time? Yeah. The Shining miniseries. Uh, it's pretty incredible. What's nice, though, is that this 
she'd been watching it in a format where it's a recording of the original broadcast with all okay. of the ads. Fun. That's fun. Yeah. So like Fruitopia ads, there was an ad for a fax machine. Uh, it's really, it's really good. That's actually what's funny. So I, you know, we've talked about this in this podcast. I have made her sit through ads from my childhood. Yeah. And now we're watching ads. This is from her, you know, her younger years. Uh, I was, I was older in the nineties than, than, than she was. I'm older than her now still. And, uh, so I feel like it's nice that she gets that nostalgia, but it's really interesting to me that I think that commercials carry more nostalgia than movies or TV shows or anything else. Well, they're of a specific moment, right? A lot of the time. Also, you saw them much more often. Yeah. Yeah. Like you might watch an episode of a TV show two or three times, maybe. But some of these commercials I watched a thousand times. Yeah. Because they were always on and we couldn't skip commercials back then. Yeah. And so there are commercials that come on that I, I like that I feel in my DNA because yes. I've watched them so many fucking times. Yeah. They're just part of you. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting that I get more of a nostalgia feeling or like a very specific Proustian Madeline uh, journey back to that exact moment of the 90s watching these commercials than I do watching any movie or any TV show. Also, I think because also we revisit movies and sometimes TV shows over time. So we have different versions of ourselves watch it, but we generally only watch commercials when they're new. Yeah. Most of the time. Yeah. Like like for me – and whenever September comes around, the, the month of September, the one thing that goes throughout my head for, through most of the month is those commercials for going back to school where they played the song See You in September. Right. You know, and I and it's like all the lunch ladies and stuff. And like that's just always in my brain. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's how it uh, goes. And that's- like commercials for the Poconos will forever be in there. Yep. The Poconos. Yeah. You know, um, a little heart shaped tub. 1-800-EMPIRE. 1-800-EMPIRE, yep. Uh, oh, no, it's yeah. 1-888, isn't it? Yeah, it used to be 1-800-EMPIRE. I think yeah. it was 1-800 originally. I think it became 888 okay. because I don't think 888 existed. Because I see those commercials back in Illinois when we were They're little. They show them out here. Still. No, I know, but like I remember seeing them for the first time there. I remember yeah, watching okay. those commercials come on during episodes of Batman. Okay. The 66 Batman. I have those, those two things are very connected in my head. I have them connected to Quincy MD. (laughs) A show that, a show that gave me one of my dreams in life. (laughs) I was like, my God, he lives, he lives in like a a mobile home right outside his work. That sounds amazing. You can just go like, it's right there. He doesn't have to travel. It's amazing. I was like, that's genius. Quincy MD invented working from home. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do we have you solving crimes from your mobile home when you're a doctor? Uh, do we have uh, any trivia this week? We do. What we do got? we do? Come on, load up already. There you oh, go. boy, he's not ready. No, it was it was loaded, but then when you move away from it, it's got to reload. Uh, where are we? What is the name of the actor who plays the villain? I can't say that. The big villain from Doctor Strange. Celsius. Oh, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, fuck. Um, this is crazy because I have met this guy. Um, uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Yes. 
and he was playing Casilius. Uh, Casilius. I think it's I think it's Casilius. Mads I Mikkelsen. Did, I can remember his name. I mean, honestly, I'm going to say this with all due respect for everybody involved in uh, that motion picture. Some of whom I like quite a lot as as individuals. Mads Mikkelsen crazy wasted in that role. Yes. Like yeah. kind of like a low level villain who dies at the end. Like, come on, he's keep Mads Mikkelsen he's around. to do the whole movie. It's a bummer. Yeah, it's keep him bummer. around, man. Yeah, it's just crazy to to get rid of him at the end. Yeah. What color is Yondu in the MCU? He's blue. Yeah. If it comes to to saving you or the kid or the time zone, I will not hesitate to let either of you die. Who says that? Star Lord? No, Tony Stark. Tony or, Stark. Sorry, yeah, uh, Doctor Strange, rather. Stephen Strange. Doctor Strange. Oh, we were both wrong. And you have the yeah. book in front of you, and you're still wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty incredible. All right, I got one wrong. It's very rare that I get one of these wrong. Yeah, uh, you're off your game. I am. So I had too much Sicilian pizza today. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to throw up. I really do. I I crammed so many slices down my gullet. It's disgusting. I paid for it. I'm going to eat it. Well, because I'm intermittent fasting now. I'm only eating for eight hours a day, and I was at work for six of those hours. Yeah. And then so I have two hours, so I'm just fucking jamming this food down my throat. Very bad. All right. Are you ready to talk about the latest episode of She-Hulk? I am. Law? Yes. Let's do it. They seek him here. They seek him there. His clothes are loud. But never square. It will make or break him, so he's got to buy the best. Cause he's a dedicated follower of fashion. She Hulk, Attorney at Law, Episode 5, Mean Green and Straight Poured into These Jeans. Uh, we open with uh, a big ad for She Hulk by Titania. Beauty is strength, and strength is beauty. And uh, we see that it's playing on the TV in Jen Walter's house, and she is disgusted to see this television ad playing. Uh, but not only is the She-Hulk by Titania playing on her TV, as she drives to work uh, down Sunset, she sees a gigantic billboard over the Chateau Marmont um, of She-Hulk by Titania. She is truly irritated by this turn of events. As we remember last episode, she is sued by Titania for, uh, for using the She-Hulk name. And so Jen comes home and collapses on the couch with what appears to be a bowl of ice cream. Good for her. I, and think, then, I hope it's ice cream because it looked real weird. <laughs> I think it's ice cream. And then her cousin comes in and he says, hey, Jen. Well, he's got the best like intro too, where he comes crashing through the door. And she's like, you can't just come in here. He's like, well, I can because I did. <laughs> I he's like, that. it's like so funny. This show is so interesting because we're five out of eight episodes or nine episodes in, and he's been in two scenes and he's been delightful in both of those scenes, but he feels like a character in a 22 season, 22 episode season where he'll have more stuff to do. Yeah. Like he's, he has the, the, the wacky neighbor vibe, but there yeah. just isn't enough space for him to do that much stuff in the show so far. No, this no. is actually maybe the biggest problem with this whole show, by the way, is that there's uh, so many great characters that because of the nature of being only nine episodes, there will not be enough space for all of them. I I don't feel that way. Like that's how I felt with Miss Marvel, where it's like, oh, I you know, it made me sad when we when you know they traveled out of New Jersey, and we didn't get to keep up with the family and stuff for a bit. But 
on this, like, I don't need the cousin to show up every episode. I don't need dad to show up every episode. You know, like I don't need I'm it fine either. with these little pieces of them. Yeah, I no, I well, so why I think the thing is that I don't, I don't, I don't mind. I don't need them in every episode, but I think that there's such a deep bench of characters on this show already, and it's like a bummer that with nine episodes, they're not going to really be able to utilize that deep bench that much. Like, like the, the one in, especially in this episode, I feel like, Oh, they've done a disservice is Amelia who we saw once before. And now she's a major part of this episode. Who's and Amelia? A, she's the, the lawyer. That no, she's Jen. not. Yes, she is. Her name is Mallory. I could have sworn it when I looked it up. It was Amelia. It's Mallory book. All right, whatever. Mallory then. <laughs> Oh, Amelia Bedelia shows up in this episode. <laughs> whatever, fine, Mallory, whatever. The point is, that's even worse. She showed up once before. She shows up in this. I don't think they ever say her name in this episode. And then, and and there's a point in when, when Jen is like, I'm so glad we're friends now. And it, there's like a weird moment. And it's like, well, I can't get a sense of that weird moment because you guys have never really spoken before. Well, so... Uh, Two things. That's Renee Elise Goldberry, who is the original cast of Hamilton. Um, the original Broadway cast of Hamilton. You can watch her on the Disney Plus recording of the original cast of mm-hmm. Hamilton. And also, she is terrific on a television program that I believe not one, maybe 10 other people watch called Girls 5 Ever. I watch that show. I love it. And she's terrific on that. She's kind of yeah. playing a little bit of the same character. I disagree. I, think I mean, the, the – the, her version on Girl Five Ever is much more delusional, yeah, and like way way broader, but like sort of the like, um, snotty, powerful woman thing. It's like sort yeah. of the thing is in Hamilton, she's like not even remotely like that. It's like wild. It's like next level, not not even like that. And so to see her play two characters, I think that have that element to them with varying degrees of comedic exaggeration. Um, it's pretty interesting to me. Because I do want to point out real quick that if you Google She-Hulk attorney at law and you, and it gives you the cast, it lists her as Amelia. I mean, her name's Mallory book. I don't know why it says Amelia. <laughs> I don't know. But that's, that's where I pulled it from. Oh boy. I just make it up on my own. Um, so, a screenshot. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Here, I he shows up show it later. The cousin shows up with uh, a whole bunch of boxes and he says, I, I, I need you to sign these. I'm selling these signed She-Hulk merch to your fans. She goes, that, that's not my merch. That's Titania made that and I am being sued. And then this is one of my favorite parts of this episode is that her dopey cousin gives her a lecture about how trademark works. Yes. And uh, she is very, very agitated and very, very mad about that. And we cut to titles and this episode is actually called She-Hulk by Titania. Yes. I kind of love when they play with the titles like that. They do it every episode. They do it some episodes, not every right? episode. Or I guess maybe not every, yeah. Not every episode. Um, so we cut to um, Jen with Nikki, her paralegal, and they've gone to this pop-up at the Grove that is Titania's uh, She-Hulk pop-up. And Nikki has seen on, on the socials that she's supposed to be connecting with her fans all day at the Grove. So they go, um, they, they, they bust their way in. They're, uh, Jen is horrified by the products. Yes. Uh, it's like beauty elixir, beauty potion, beauty serum, snake venom. snake venom. She's like, this is all the same thing. This is literal snake oil. Yeah. And uh, Nikki's like, no, no, these are all very, very different. Uh, <laughs> I kind of I like that. And uh, they go and they bust up to Titania, who is signing 
Autogress. And Titania has the first of a couple of pretty intense burns in this episode when she calls Jen Walters a little child. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, little child. The line begins over there. But uh, she's not a child. She's Jen Walters, and she's there to tell Titania to cut out, cut it the fuck out, get rid of all of this merch, and stop suing her. To which Titania basically says, go fuck yourself. Uh, it is not going to work. So they go back to work and uh, Jen is back as She-Hulk talking about how this doesn't bother her while she's crushing a stapler in her hand, indicating, in fact, how much it does bother her. Um, and she is going to have to go to court and deal with this. And Nikki is like, you got to get better clothes. You just cannot dress like this. And so she goes out to her desk and Pug shows up. Yes. Pug, M- MVP of She-Hulk. Yes, and and this is the most Lance he has been. This is such intense Lanceness here. Although again, it's like very smart Lance. You but, know what but I mean? The thing, the thing is, it, it's his whole thing now is shoes. He's like, oh, I buy shoes. Like I buy all these shoes. And it's like Lance designs shoes on the other. He two. sure does. Yeah, he buys he buys two pairs, one to rock, one to stock. Yeah, and uh, he needs uh, Nikki's help. He needs a, a line buddy. He's gonna wait in line for the new Iron Man threes. Yes, and he needs somebody to go with him so he can buy two pairs because it's one pair per person. And she says, well, you buy one pair of shoes to wear, one pair of shoes to look at. And he goes, yes. And she goes, I respect that. Um, But she says, I'm going to need a favor from you. And um, in the course of their conversation, he talks to her about his drip broker uh, who hooks him up with all of the great shoe drops. And this Nikki gives Nikki an idea. And she says, I'm I'm going to call in that favor right now. And I need you to hook me up through the drip broker with someone who can make superhero clothing. Yes. Because Jen is not dressed very well at all. So he's going to do it. And I love the drip broker. I love that the idea there's a guy called the drip broker. Uh, I think it's it's real. The drip broker? Like that idea is very real, yeah. That they really exist? The guys who know like where like limited edition shoes are going to be dropping and when and like all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that they do, but there, I just Googled drip broker and there is no, yeah, I don't think they're called drip brokers. No, yeah. I'm saying that's why I love that. I love drip yeah. broker. I lo- that's like really, really good. Like uh, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier had the power broker, Yeah, but I feel like the drip broker is much more powerful. Yes. Well, the drip broker has Iron Man threes. Yeah. <laughs> it does Iron Man threes. So uh, they, uh, they show up, they go out in uh search of the, the, the superhero costumer and the drip broker has sent them to a boba shop and they go into the boba shop and, uh, there's a guy behind the counter and he's like, Hey, what, you know, what what can I get you today? And, uh, pug tries doing the whole, like, Hey, so the drip broker sent me, you know, I'm here for the superhero stuff. And the guy keeps playing dumb. And then Nikki says to him, we're not cops in Chinese because he's Asian. And he goes, was that Chinese? I'm not Chinese. <laughs> yeah, this is such a great joke. It's just yeah. so good. It's just so good. And she's horrified by this. But they eventually talk him into letting them into the back room. And in the back room, he dramatically opens a uh, he dramatically opens a, uh, a cabinet. And they think it's going to be uh, a cabinet full of incredible superhero garb. And in fact, it's a cabinet of shitty Avengers knockoffs. <laughs> Yes, Avengers or Aven- Avengers. Avengers or Avengers. And it's all the images are images from 100% Soft, who is this artist that does all of those emoticons for Marvel yeah. when you do a uh, 
a tweet about Eternals or whatever, and there's a little emoticon, and that's the guy who does it. But they're all like fucked up versions. Like Thor has a shovel, the Hulk is purple, and it has a mustache. Yeah, it's like really good. It's like very, very good. At one point on the underwear, they have their names. And I couldn't see what Captain America and, and Iron Man's names were. I believe it was Captain American and Iron Head, but I'm not sure. But the other ones were Hulk, H O L K, Thur, T H U R, and Hawkeye. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm ashamed to admit this, but when they inevitably make those T-shirts, I'm probably it's insane. They, like it is insane they didn't have them ready for sale the day this episode dropped. Because I yeah, I would have like impulse bought it immediately. Yeah, like it's like just such how a good shirt. with lower decks they have the like every week the new shirt. Right. Like that Marvel's not following up on that concept. Like. With this, like, oh, we need to have Avengers shirts, like, ready to go. Yeah, Avengers is just, like, it's just, like, so good. And, like, uh, he has these shitty Captain America shields of the wrong colors. He's got a shitty yep. Thor hammer. And they're like, no, no, we're not here for bootlegs. We're here for, like, real superhero clothes. And uh, he, again, plays dumb. And they are well, able Punk to- is very excited with that hammer. He's-, he's playing with that hammer. He really has a good time with that hammer. And um, they are able to talk him into sending them to the next spot on the journey, on the quest, by offering to buy a whole bunch of this shitty bootleg stuff that he has. Uh, he has to, uh, Nikki has to buy both the Avengers shirt and the matching hat. Yes. Well, she needs and to complete we'll, the ensemble. Complete <laughs> the ensemble. And so they uh, next go to the next location, which is uh, what appears to be like an industrial warehouse area. And they are decked out in their Avengers gear with their Captain America shields. And uh, they go to buzz themselves in and a voice over the intercom says no before they can even touch the buzzer. And uh, so they have a conversation with this voice on the other side of the uh, the door. And at first, um, this person's not interested in talking to them as who, who sent you. And Nikki says, Titania. And she does like a shrug to, to Pug, like one of these, like, oh, well, we'll see what happens. And the voice says, you shrugged. I saw that. Which I thought was so good. Like, I love the idea this person's watching them the whole time. And they're yeah. like, they're not acting like he's watching them. It's just so yeah. good. Um, and finally, they convince him that their client is a, an Avenger, a top tier Avenger at that. And so he sets up a 15-minute consult with yes. them in the future. Um. So and this is a major plot thread that is getting slowly, slowly played out. Um, so not that slowly. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much done by the end of this episode. It is not. We haven't seen the stuff that he makes yet. We haven't seen the stuff, but we get to like through the whole course of this episode. Is um, back at uh, the law offices, Jen's sitting there with her boss, and he's very mad because driving to work that day, he saw a giant billboard for the. She-Hulk. Booty Boost Smoothie. Booty Boost Smoothie. Yeah. And he's like, you're the face of the superhuman law division here, and your name is up there with Booty Boost Smoothie. And so she's like, oh, well, you know, actually the deal is that's not me. Um, Titania has taken the trademark, and she's suing me. And he's like, you know, we're a major law firm, and if we can't handle a frivolous lawsuit against us this like this, who wants to be a client here? This is this is very very bad. So they get Mallory Book to come in and be also known as Amelia. Amelia Mallory, Amelia Book to come yeah. in and be Jen's lawyer. Uh, Mallory Book uh, is 
I'll start with some scathing remarks about Jen Walters. Yes. Uh, first with, I'm glad to hear that you're at least smart enough not to represent yourself in this matter. And, Which um, is not smart enough because she had to be told to do that. Yeah, she was probably going to just do that. Yeah. Well, she said, uh, I'll take care of it. And her boss was like, no, no. you won't take care of it. And um, Mallory comes in. So they start talking about the case and Mallory's like, so you never trademarked your name, huh? And Jen's like, well, I, I didn't think I'd had to. Like, Dr. Strange didn't trademark his name. Thor didn't trademark his name. And I was like, those are both guys who used their real names. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was very, very funny. It's kind of interesting in the Marvel universe where these characters mostly don't have secret identities. Yeah. It's kind of intriguing to me how all this stuff works. Well, Iron Man is definitely trademarked. There's no way that Stark, Core, or whatever did not trademark Iron Man. 100%. Right? Yeah. Right like he had that trademarked probably yeah. before even that shit happened. Yeah. He probably had like yeah. a list of trademarks for like different potential inventions that he has. Yeah. Like, so. And then Captain America is obviously handled by the U.S. government, right? Because they created him. Right. That's so owned by the trademark that. That's owned by the government. It did make me wonder if Bruce Banner had to go and trademark Hulk. You know? I don't know. I imagine that he probably didn't, and I imagine he doesn't care. Yeah. That feels to me like he's somebody that doesn't care. I think what's interesting is that for Jen, the or she even more, let, let me rephrase that. Did Tony Stark trademark Hulk? Did Tony Stark trademark Avengers? That. And I wonder if Tony Stark trademarks Spider-Man too. Uh, uh, but I, th- I feel like Bruce is the kind of person that doesn't care about that, especially because for the first 10 or so years of his existence, he hated the Hulk. Yes. The thing with Jen and She-Hulk is so interesting is that this whole thing is about her beginning to embrace this identity and the yeah. ways that she's beginning to embrace this identity and allowing herself to sort of become a new person in a lot of ways. Um, I think what this show is doing that is really smart. I think it's been very well done. It's really incredible, it, and it doesn't feel like some kind of – we have both complained about the storytelling bullshit where, like, it's the slow burn to get a costume in the last episode. That's what you hated about Ms. Marvel. Yeah. But this doesn't feel like a slow burn to turning her into She-Hulk. She's been She-Hulk. It's just about her own relationship to She-Hulk. Her, her coming to accept She-Hulk, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think really, they've done it well. It's really, really been well done. I've and been, and I believe I, I on the second episode or maybe the first episode, I had said that it, I didn't feel like there was a difference in personality between Jen Walters and She-Hulk. And now I think there is. Right. And that's what I think a lot of this episode is about, is how they, were, they are different personalities in many ways. Um, Mallory throws a second harsh burn at Jen, where she says, if you're going to be my client, dress like you respect yourself and not like a football player pleading no contest to a DUI. <laughs> yes. It's fucking incredible. That's so good. Yeah. That is such a good line. Uh, it is very brutal. And so we go to the courtroom and uh, Titania is there with her um, lawyer who is taking photos of her for Instagram. And basically, um, the arguments go as such that uh, – Titania's team says that Jen has rejected the She-Hulk name and they play a video to that extent. Her on camera coming out of a courtroom saying, don't call me She-Hulk. I'm not She-Hulk. I never will be She-Hulk, yes. uh, which feels pretty damning. But then they play a clip which we had already seen of her on a new show being interviewed saying that people call her She-Hulk and it's not a name that she likes, but she's embracing it. And so – the judge oh, – also when she came in, by the way, it's worth noting that um, Titania gave her another burn and said, nice suit, Shrek. Yes. As she came in, which is really, again, very brutal. 
the judge is like not fully swayed by either side. And Mallory Book says that they're going to have more evidence to prove that Jen Walters has in fact embraced the She-Hulk name and uses it in her daily life all of the time. Uh, but it's not clear what that evidence is going to be. But the judge uh, orders a temporary stay and they're going to come back and they're going to present new evidence. So now we uh, go – I think we go now to – Back to the, the clothing. We do go back to the clothing. Yeah, so we go meet the clothing guy. What's his name? I don't know. You oh, man. What, what Google says it is? What does Google say his name is? Let's see if I can find him on Google. What does Google claim this guy's name is? Uh, he is not listed on the Google cast list. Oh, my God. We should know this guy's name because I bet he's going to show up a whole bunch more times. He shows up at least one more time. But I'm saying like in the Marvel Universe, I think we're going to see this guy a couple of times. Uh, it just seems plausible to me. Yeah. Uh, that. Yeah. It's, and once again, Marvel undercutting DC at their own game because this is a DC character. <laughs> and Marvel got to him first. It makes me sad. Yeah. Um, well, they already had this guy. Not yeah they they uh, yeah Marvel's had one too it's Luke Luke Jacobson Luke Jacobson um the thing is is that there what, what's Marvel's guy who makes costumes for villains I don't remember the comic name. guy but there was a guy in Daredevil who did this well they, they, I mean I think it's the same guy right from the it's comics not the same well. guy oh it's not okay what do mean the guy from Daredevil you're talking about Daredevil Netflix show yeah 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 I thought I thought they used because there's a guy in the comics who like made all the costumes for like the Beatle and like a bunch of different Spider-Man and Daredevil villains, right? Yeah, I think it's that guy. He's yeah. uh, uh, but in the Daredevil TV show, he ended up going to jail. Okay. Um, so the, I was wondering why Matt Murdock would need this guy, and then that's the answer is because the guy who made his first suit is in jail. There you um, go. So uh, anyway, um, that's we're getting ahead of ourselves on that one. And Jen and Nikki DC's come in. Is, um, God, what's DC's guy's name? Uh, Gamby, Peter Gamby. Is DC's guy. He made all the costumes for the the rogues, the Flash rogues. Uh, Jen and Nikki come into this place, and they are looking around, seeing sort of th – this show is very – traditionally, this show is like fucking dripping in Easter eggs. Yes. And I did not see any significant ones in this guy's – So much so that people are angry about it. Crazy, right? <laughs> Um, but I was like watching eagle eyed to see like what was be like a weird Easter egg, but there's zero as far as I can tell. Uh, he does well, seem to have a Tila from He-Man. He seems to have her outfit in there. He seems to have um, Tila from He-Man and he's got like a black Batman type suit, but it's got a gut. I was like, who's that? I want to know who, who that's for. <laughs> he has a cool. gut into it. That's very interesting to me. It's very funny. Uh, I like that very much. Uh, but, uh, he comes in, he's not really impressed with Jen. He doesn't really, first of all, she's there as She's there as She-Hulk, right? She comes in as yeah. She-Hulk. He's not very impressed. He doesn't really care all that much about her deal. She's not really an Avenger yet. He does so. He's not that interested in, in maybe doing it. But then they present with him him with a, an intriguing challenge, which is that she doesn't just need an outfit for She-Hulk. She needs an outfit that will fit She-Hulk and Jen Walters. She needs something that will grow and shrink with her as she changes shape. And so she does a big shrink in front of him to show yeah. how, what a huge difference in size there is between Jen and shield. This really piques his interest. Yes. 
I kind of like that. I like the idea that he like he needs something really new it's a challenge. Yeah. yeah, he talks about like you know having like things he builds weaponry into things that none of this stuff is like just like they're not just outfits like they're the every one of these things is is combat ready and every single yeah. one of them is specifically designed around a certain person and so he he lights up when he realizes that this might actually be a reasonable challenge and then he says so, the worst thing that you could ever hear when you live in Los Angeles, which is what get get a lot of the stretch wool. <laughs> <laughs> wool in, in Los Angeles? Oh my god. Oof. That's going to be hot. They go back to the office and they run into Mallory in the lobby and with her is Todd, one of the guys yes. that Jen went on a date with. Mm-hmm. He was the guy who called her a specimen. And here we discover that Todd is not just some creepy jerk-off from Tinder or Meter, I guess, is the, the app here. But he is also super fucking rich. Yes. One of the biggest clients of the law firm. And he owns a uh, metal straw. He owns a metal straw. <laughs> he goes to, he goes to, he goes to put his arm around Mallory and she goes, no touching. Uh, <laughs> he goes, she's like, no touching. He's, 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 he's like notoriously gross. And he is, I actually, this character is so good. This guy, this actor creates such a, a character in such a few moments yeah, uh, he is. He is truly, straight out of Entourage. Yeah, he's truly cartoonish, and yeah. uh, he's just like a scumbag. And he, um, he says, "Oh, She Hulk, so good to see you again." And then he does one of these things where he's like, "We need to catch up. We should get. We should get drinks sometime." And poor Jen is so flustered that she goes, "Yeah, yeah, we should." Uh, to which Nikki says, "You rolled over in record time." Yes, uh, it is. I'm sure not a coincidence that this guy should show up again. This feels to me like, like a big bad, like it may be a big bad for this entire program. Yeah. I would, I would in fact hazard as much. So, um, Nikki and Jen go outside to eat their lunch. And while they're talking about what a creepo Todd is, they mention like all of the bad dates that Jen went on. And this gives Jen a sudden idea. She realizes that when she did the dating, she created a profile as she Hulk. And this is going to be the key to winning the case that she yes. can prove via the usage of the profile that she was she hung. So we go back to court and this time there's a parade of her bad date guys. I really did not expect to see these guys again. No, I was very su- surprised by this. It really is good. Like it's like very, very funny because they all did feel like just one-off jokes and they're still one-off yeah. jokes, but like yeah. to have them come back again and then to give their own perspective on these bad dates, I thought was really amazing. It was good. Like the one weightlifter guy is like, yeah, she, uh, Really was very full of herself. <laughs> then, yeah, he's like, she's very aggro, and that's just not my thing. And it's then like the 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 other guy, the writer, is like, you know, she the entrepreneur is like, you know, she keep referring herself in the third person as She Hulk, and as a writer, this was really grating on me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, finally, the the guy that she slept with takes the stand, and oh, uh, actually, uh, Todd takes the stand along the way as well, yes. and uh, he talks about how she talk to him about how uncomfortable she was, but coming to terms with being a sheet with she Hulk. Just open up to me. Uh, <laughs> and then the guy that hot doc takes the stand and basically he says, you know, she Hulk is super hot, but Jen Walters doesn't do it for him. And he went on a date with she Hulk. He went on, that's yep. who he went on a date with. And that's who he slept with was she Hulk. And he was not at all interested in Jen Walters. Those are as far as he's concerned two truly different people. 
Yes. Um, and this, and, and in fairness, for the amount that we've discussed the CGI, the best CGI face work so far is in that sequence when yeah. he says that, and you can see that hurts her. That, that yeah, hurts her. Well yeah, done. good yeah, CGI I mean, work. We have definitely skipped over a lot of bad CGI in this program because, I mean, it's a lot of the Shield stuff doesn't work. Um, yeah. Especially again, what we talked about last week in the office, it especially doesn't work in the office. Yeah, the lighting is just too harsh for what they're doing. Yeah, but here it really works, and um, I like that they're actually taking their time to on on the facial stuff. They understand yes. what this show is, and getting her facial expressions right is more important than getting her walking across a lobby right. But I, I, I think I think there's been problems with her facial expressions as well. There there's been all kinds of problems with the yeah. CGI in this program. Yeah. I mean, again, in this like, moment, they really hit it like very well. I mean, like after two episodes, I think. Anybody who was paying attention to this program realizes, okay, this is just what it's going to be. So let's just fucking roll with it or not. And if we can't yeah. roll with it, don't watch it. Like, yeah, that's it. Like, that's the whole thing. So, uh, but that works. She wins the case. And Mallory's impressed. She's never seen a lawyer willing to humiliate themselves this badly <laughs> in order to win a case. And uh, they go out, but when they come out, did you see this? Somebody posted a video clip of this and I watched the episode again today and it really is in the show. When they walk out of the courtroom, yeah, out, out down the steps, in the background, Titania is posing for a group of photographers. Yeah. Did you see this? Yeah, she freezes. She freezes. She doesn't freeze. She does. I watch it again. She does. I think what's happening is I think that they used, they did a composite. I don't think that she was there on set. I think they composited that in. And I think that. No, because when they cut back to that shot, you can see her mo like moving around the people. It's, I watched the thing about it because I saw that too on Reddit. And then I watched the thing about like how that's something they teach models to do is to like stop and like hold for photos. You think, you think that's what it is, huh? That's what it is. She did that. It really looks unnatural. It looks amazingly unnatural. Like I watched it. I was like, what is going on there? That's so weird. But then I watched this whole thing about it. Like they teach models to do that kind of thing. Interesting. Cause I would have totally believed that it was a composited shot and they just didn't have enough footage of her moving before she yeah. wrote character that they had to freeze it. Yeah. And I don't but everybody else is moving. So like the people that they're taking our picture are moving. So I'm you, not like, even convinced that those people would have been in the shot when they shot her. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's the nature of composite yeah. shots. Like we don't yeah. know what, who's in what frame with who these days. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. If that is on purpose, it is incredible body work because it's amazing. It, it is fundamentally un it's not just that she stops moving. It the way that she stops moving is so unnatural. Her arm moves so fast up and it just stops. And it's like, wow. Yeah, it yeah. was it's very disorienting. Yeah. Well, if that's the case, then that's the case. Uh Jen asks Mallory if she wants to go celebrate by having a drink. And Mallory agrees. And Jen is very excited. Jen has we've met Mallory briefly, but we know that Jen sees Mallory as like somebody to look up to. She's like a really a woman lawyer who has all of her shit together, who is fabulous, who wins cases, who has big clients. This is like what she's looking up to. And so yes. to get this woman to go out with her for drinks is a, a big moment for her. And she, one of the few fourth wall breaks in this episode, maybe the only fourth wall break in this episode. No, there's a couple. Are there? There's one in the beginning. And then there's this one here where, where she's excited. Yeah. And then I think there's one more, isn't there? I, I don't so. think so. I don't think so. I don't know. Um, I mean, there's at least two. There's a missed opportunity for a fourth wall break that we'll talk about at the end of the episode. Um, so 
they go out drinking and they they begin bonding and they begin bonding over the idea that as powerful women the dating pool for them is really limited and in fact that in the modern world with the nature of like dating apps any douchebag can think that they're better than these women and uh that these women aren't good enough for them which, which I've is got the, news for you even without dating apps many men would think that <laughs> so. well, I know. but it's like it's like a real burn on guys who go online and talk about like super gorgeous actresses and say, oh, yeah. she's kind of fat. And oh, like, Scarlett Johansson, no, she's not that great. Uh, and then you well, look I, at their profile picture and you're like, yeah. come on, guy, give me a fucking yeah, it's me. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it would, this guy would be in good shape if he were you. These like, these guys, they like, it's like, it's just like, it's, it's like in rolls of neck fat with Cheetos coming out of them to use a, a, a 1990s vision yeah. of what these people look like. I mean, they're just not, not nice looking folks who seem to have no problem casting a lot of judgment on the looks of people who are quite objectively nice looking. Yeah. And that's sort of what this show is doing a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, a poke at, but they, they, they bond. And then Jen says, oh, I'm so glad that we became friends. And then she's immediately mortified by this. Uh, and uh, Mallory has a kind of an interesting reaction because I think that she's charmed by this. I think. Um, she's, she doesn't act haughty about it. She's kind of charmed. She won't say that she's friends, but she's yeah. kind of charmed. And I suspect by the end of the season, Mallory book will in fact say that they are friends. That feels Maybe. like a kind of a story arc that makes a lot of sense to me or she'll just disappear. Um, Mallory has, t- has to go. And then she looks at her and says, I thought you were getting better clothes, by the way. Yes. Which then uh, means oh, that. Oh, yeah, right here she breaks the fourth wall, too. Yeah, that's this is where it is. Because she says, I thought you were going to get better clothes. And then she, uh, uh, Jen looks in the camera and goes, My clothes. <laughs> and, then, and then we go back to Luke, the tailor. And he has a whole bunch of outfits for her. He's got a whole bunch of suits, business suits. But then he also has one other outfit. And so she goes into the changing room to try on the business suits and she loves them. And then he goes, I made something special for you. And he hands it to her and we don't see what it is. And she says, this is great, but I don't imagine that I'll ever have a chance to wear something like this. And then he's like, just take it. And then he walks away and sees a box on the table and he picks it up and he calls to his assistant and says, what is this doing out here in the open? Doesn't client confidentiality mean anything to you? And he puts the box down the camera peeks over the edge of the box, and inside the box is a yellow daredevil helmet. He puts a lid on the box, and the sticker on the lid says, for pickup. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. Yep. So. And there is no yeah. mid-credit sequence in this one. I was frustrated by that. I'm, gonna, I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to lie. I think you do four in a row. Uh, you've now trained me that there's going to be one every time. I thought there was going to be one about uh, Pug and his shoes. I thought Pug in His Shoes could be a good one, or I thought the Daredevil one felt like it might have been a mid-post-credit sequence at one point. Yeah. And they just moved it into the show because yeah, they were possible. worried that people weren't going to actually sit through the credits. Yeah. Um, but you know what they should have done? I would like to have them to have done, if you're not really going to do a, a mid-credit sequence, this is this is my pitch. This is a bad pitch. This is why I don't actually write TV shows. Just do the fucking Ferris Bueller one. Go home. It's over. Yeah. Have, have Jen go, okay, it's over. You can you can yeah, switch over. But I don't think you can do that till the season finale. Yeah, I guess you're right. I I really I thought it was going to be Pug and Nikki waiting online for the Iron Man threes. That's why that would have been pretty be. good. That would have been pretty easy. They do do a Pug thing where they show him in his sneaker closet, 
Yes, with a lot yeah. of sneakers that reference Marvel superheroes, including many who are not in the MCU as of yet. Yes, and people are positive that means they're going to show up in She-Hulk. Which is crazy. Like, like I don't think seventy different characters are going to show up in the next three episodes. I don't <laughs> think Col- yeah, I don't think Colossus or the Thing are going to be in Shield. Quite yeah. frankly, yeah, uh, that's not where they're introing those two characters. We'll do, there's, there's been a long running rumor that one of the Fantastic Four is going to show up on She-Hulk. It's like we know that's not happening. We know it's just they're not, not going to happen. Uh, yeah, Wolverine has sneakers in that collection we're not going to see wolverine introduced ben riley has a sneaker in that collection <laughs> yeah it's just and because it's it's a po- it's a credit yeah. drawing it's a it's an artistic rendering over the credits it's just a joke guys yeah it's just a joke yeah um what'd you think of this one it was okay it, it like i said last week i think it was like the perfect format of this show and it's the mix of of courtroom comedy life comedy and some action, and this one had no action. And I felt like it, it was like, oh, this doesn't feel like a full episode to me because there was no action aspect to it. Yeah, I agree. I would have liked to have seen a little bit of an action element. Um, it's a good episode. It's very funny. I watched yeah. it twice, uh, which I don't usually do with most of these programs. Um, but it does feel like it's missing a beat. I do feel like it's missing a beat. Um, and I maybe maybe it would have been a Titania tussle. Maybe I mean, it's interesting because watching this is like, oh, this is as much as much as this is the origin of She-Hulk in many ways. This is the origin of Titania becoming a supervillain. Right. Right. That's what we're seeing here is Titania is going to like be like, oh, you ruined my business. I hate you. It's time to take you down kind of thing. What, what I what I really love, though, is the idea that she's going to have this like um, she's going to have like this like this like death wish for She-Hulk based only on branding. Yes, and I really, I really like that. The idea yeah. that branding is what turns her into a villain is pretty good. Um, although it could be argued that all influencers are already villains. Also, that's a Joker story. Is that the laughing? Yeah, the laughing fish. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Joker fish. Um, yeah, it's it's a good episode. Again, it it's funny. The I I keep saying the same shit again and again and again when we talk about the show, but this show, this more than any of the rest of them feels like a show that should be 22 episodes because this does feel like sort of like a pretty good episode in a 22 episode run. Yeah. When there's only nine, you go, oh, I wish you had that. I wish you took it over the top because there's only nine and I want like, I want everyone to really count. It felt like to me, this episode, again, I I enjoyed this episode, but it felt like something was like, oh, they're not ready to move the story really forward, but they have to fill 22 minutes. So really there's, five ten minutes of story in this one and the rest is just kind of repeating things right you know like i don't think we needed to go to the 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 costumer guy three times you know like first they go to set up the meeting then jen goes to set to do the consult and then she goes to pick up the clothes i think we could just done consult clothes that's fine you know it seemed a little much yeah i mean i i don't I think that the Nikki Pug stuff I really liked though because I liked it. I'm not saying I didn't like it. Do their own thing for a minute. Yeah, I'm not saying I didn't like it, but it was just something where it was like, ah, this feels like you're trying to stretch it out a little bit. The same with like in court where they're like, oh, do you have evidence? We do. We'll bring it tomorrow. It's like, like okay, you know, I, I kind of feel like a lawyer would have been more prepared, I guess. But well, I think that that's sort of. That feels like a repeat of what happened in the last courtroom episode where the way that it works, I think this is just good lawyer show joke business. They go, they have the beginning of the trial and then they run into the idea that they don't have the right evidence and they have to then go back and figure out what the winning 
element is. And that's not how real law works by any means, but it's good TV law because you're setting up um, sort of an early part of a battle and then you have the main character outmatched in the early part of the battle and then they have to figure out how to overcome in the back half of the battle. And so that's happened both times. That happened with the the shape-changing elf. Yeah. Where they had to go and they had to have a, a an aha moment about how to win that case, and then they did the same thing here. They have to go and, and it also well, this is the third time because it also happened with uh, Wong. Yeah, so I think it's going to happen every time we go to court. I think that's going to yeah. be the structure of the court stuff. It's a little come little in. repetitive. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. I think that's sitcom, which I'm which is why I'm okay with it because this is a this is like fundamentally a sitcom. Yeah, no, I mean this is a sitcom, but it's also like I'd like to see a little more mix them up. You know, yeah. I mean, the law stuff is their what they're least interested in. Obviously, um, it does. Well, the, create- uh, now the 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 creator head writer had said that like none none of the writers in the room knew anything about law shows, so they just didn't even bother trying to do it realistically. <laughs> but I think that's for the best. Frankly, I don't think I want to research into like what the She Hulk law show would be like. I, think I, I, kind, to- I do kind of feel like if you're doing a show about a lawyer at least watch, you know, like, like read up on some stuff. Maybe I don't know. Like, I, I'm not complaining. I think it, it, again, I do enjoy the show, but it is a weird thing to be like, yeah, you know, I, I'm doing this show about a lawyer. I didn't bother to learn anything about law. I'm sure that they did. I think one of the problems with a show like this is that when the people who make a show like this are doing the press, they're being funny. Yeah. And so I don't think that they literally had never seen a law thing. I think they've they've clearly all watched Ally McBeal. Like that's not even a question. This show is steeped in Ally McBeal. But but I, I mean like her thing was like in her interview was like the original plan was to do one trial throughout the, the season. And then they realized that they didn't know enough about how to do that kind of thing. So they were like, we'll do a different trial like every episode. Well, I think Which I think again, is better. I like that better. No, it's better. Episodic is better. But I, uh, I, I also think that again, having read that same interview, I think she's being also funny. I don't okay. think that I don't think that she literally meant we didn't know how to do it. I think when they sat down and began breaking it, it wasn't working for them. Yeah. And that doesn't mean they don't know how to do it. It means they couldn't break it. They couldn't break it. Yeah. And so they said, oh, this isn't working. Like we're, we have we've broken three episodes and it's just not working. We don't like how this is going. What if we just didn't do the one long trial? What if we just did individual trials yeah. and made the episodes? And that feels to me, again, like a funny way of talking about that without getting too self-serious about being in the room and how to break things and like what it's like when you run into a brick wall. Um, but I, I've known enough writers, TV writers, to know that that's not an uncommon thing when you're doing a show like this that you have – you're able to have a vision for a whole season. Yeah. It's one thing when you're breaking a show episode by episode, right? Like sure. the way they used to do back in the old episodic days or the way they supply still do on network TV. Yeah. But when you're in the streaming shows, um, you got all the scripts done before you even start filming. Yeah. Right. You're kind of breaking a season in advance. And so I think that you could probably get a, a two weeks into that room and go, Oh, this isn't working. And yeah. that's not, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually, no, a sign that's a sign that you're actually doing your job right because you yeah. know when it's not working. Yeah. So I think I would not take it too seriously and say we didn't know how to do, we don't know anything about. I think that's a self-deprecating joke thing because, again, this show is so steeped in Ally McBeal that I do not believe that – I think that they all watched every episode of Ally McBeal and probably watched it while they were making writing the show. Like I would yeah. not be surprised. I mean they, they did an Ally McBeal clip on the show. Yeah. Uh, but it just feels so much like that particular program that I just can't believe that they did not immerse themselves in that. Well, there's no dancing baby yet, so I don't know. There's a lot of time left, uh, frankly. That would be amazing. Wouldn't it be fucking <laughs> Dancing unreal? baby, shut up. Like, you want to see bad CGI? 
you go. The fucking dancing bait. Like, what were they? Like, what are they tied to? Like the celestials. Like the celestials show up and like deliver a dancing. It's baby. Beyonder. It's the Beyonder. It's the dancing. It's turned into a baby at the end of the season. That would be fucking amazing. I would yeah. die. Instead of killing him, they dance with him. I would end this program because I could not talk about anything else ever again. That would be the <laughs> of all things anybody's ever done on television. Uh, so it looks like Daredevil's next week. And I love the fact that we had spent a lot of time trying to like, oh, Daredevil's going to come and defend her in this case. And no, he's just going to come pick up his costume. <laughs> pick up a suit. Yeah. And it's like so good because – the easy way to do that is to have him do a trial thing and try to figure out how to make that work. That makes a lot of sense. Like that just makes sense. Yeah. But it's funny that it, that's not it. It's yeah. funny that it's going to be something as dopey as he's coming to pick up his costume. Yeah. I like that. I really like that very much. And that I is like to that. me like a real sign of what I really enjoy about this program. Yeah. Um, well, we also, apparently somebody figured out on Reddit that we, uh, we had a, a cameo in the episode. Did we? Yes. When she's there for the consultation, somebody walks by and based on screenshots and actor names, it's the guy that plays Leapfrog. He's there to pick up his suit. Oh. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. I thought you said we had a cameo. I was like, wait, me and no. you? Yeah, we, yeah, you and I, yeah. It's wow. like the Allison Chains album where they thanked Devin and Derek. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't remember doing that at all. It's like Moscow on the Hudson when you and mom just walk through the shop. That's right. Yeah, I'm in I'm in Moscow on the Hudson. Uh, yeah. uh so uh, yeah, so maybe Leapfrog, I guess, shows up. Maybe that you know Leapfrog is a Daredevil villain, right? Well, we we've seen him in the trailer. So no, I'm saying I know he, I know he's in the yeah. show. I'm saying. Okay. But he's a Daredevil villain though, isn't he? Is am I am I correct about remembering that? I he was a Spider Man villain. But they kind of like he might be like those, a one yeah, of those, those galleries. Jack Wall. Heroes yeah. kind of guys. He's a real clown. Um, but uh, yeah, I, uh, I I love that this is how they're going to introduce Daredevil. This is going to be picking up his dumb fucking costume. Yeah, I am very curious what how the the yellow works. I, I, I guess that answers the question of why he's yellow. That's not a decision that Matt Murdock made. <laughs> That's a decision <laughs> that Luke made. And I'm yeah. very curious if there's going to be a. Um, discussion about that but i'm assuming that also that last costume he gave her was is her classic purple onesie yeah yeah it's the purple and white i imagine right yeah i'm very excited about that do you think there were discussions on whether or not he should say unstable molecules when they he were talking about making the suit Richards them so i think i know but i wonder if they discussed it i'm sure it came up i'm sure that they probably had uh some meeting where they talked about it and they asked somebody at Marvel. I mean, I'm maybe the people who write the show are deep dive people and maybe they're not, I don't know them, any of them, frankly, the one person who writes on the show who I do know a little bit, I don't think is a Marvel person. It's just a comedy person. Um, so I don't know what the prevalence of unstable molecules would be to them to say as a preemptive thing. But but we know that like Kevin Feige has walked in like ideas for scripts. He's like, Hey, you should mention this. No, I know. And I wonder if they asked, then, like, what do the superheroes do in the comics? How do they not have their costumes burn up? Yeah. And I said, well, unstable molecules, we can't use it because we Richards invents it and we're saving that for Fantastic Four. Yeah. I mean, I, you, in a world where they don't get Fantastic Four back, they might use unstable molecules and say Tony Stark invented them. Sure. Um, but I think they probably, at this point, it feels to me like a thing you want to save for the Fantastic Four because you want to do as many things as possible for the Fantastic Four 
that are going to make them feel special. I agree. And that is one of the most special things that Reed Richards does is that he invents a fabric that every superhero uses, uses for their costumes. Yes. That's great. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. Really excited about next week, which I'm assuming is the Daredevil episode. Uh, never thought I'd be say that. I never thought I'd say I'm excited to see Daredevil in something. <laughs> but here, here, here we are. And, uh, you know, Charlie Cox had said what a good time he had making this and how yes. fun it was. And what he also said that th- this has nothing to do with the upcoming Daredevil Born Again show. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Oh, yeah. They don't know anything about it. I don't think there's anything written, I don't think. I don't think you know, it's 800 episodes, right? Isn't it? 18 episodes, baby. 18 episodes, yeah. We're going to do fucking like, three, four months of that shit. God, four and a half months good. of that. I really hope it's not like the Netflix show. I know people like the Netflix show. I do not. It can't be. There's just no way that Marvel makes that show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no way. Like, that. The level of tedium in those programs, I don't think that Marvel has that in them. Yeah, I hope not. Although we'll see. I mean, who knows? They might surprise us. They might, you know, they've 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 done so many different genres now that maybe really boring is the next <laughs> genre they're gonna try to conquer. <laughs> and this is our Marvel Universe, the unwatchable section of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. <laughs> That'll be the team when they bring all the the defenders back, but they don't want to come defenders again. It's funny. It's like it's like the we're watching the Shining show, and it's just like that. It's like it's just like so fucking padded out. It's six. It's a six hour Shining miniseries. I, I got news for you. That's all Stephen King stuff, in my opinion. Well, I mean, his novel. Like, I love Salem's Lot. The Salem's Lot miniseries. I love it, but you could just chuck out the first episode of that of that two episode four hour. Thing yeah, no, and it's like sure. But like, I don't need the the weird. Like uh, not even weird, but the 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 guy who, who's cheating with the 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 woman and like all that, and that goes nowhere in the story. And it's like, oh, see, oh, I love that stuff funny. because that's all stuff that is from the old era of miniseries, where yeah. you would do two solid hours establishing characters, and like nothing would happen until the end, and then you would do like the story, then would kick in. Um, yeah. and that's what that's from. But in the shining, it's six hours and it's just two, the first two hours, nothing happened. It's like crazy how much nothing happened. You know, what miniseries did it perfectly was V where it just because, starts. Yes. It's like, here's the aliens. <laughs> like That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And we spend two hours learning who the aliens are and then learning that they're eating mice. So they must be evil. And then we go from there. But I'll just say that the shining miniseries feels like it is in the vein of the Netflix shows where it just is so padded out, so boring and just takes so much you could just you could just walk away for 10 minutes and not miss anything that's what i feel uh, about stephen king all the time uh all right so we will be back next week with the next episode of she hulk until then derek where can they find you on the internet you can find me on twitter at wh underscore Woolhat. you can find me on twitter at devin cf back again next week but in the meantime may you be happy may you be healthy may you be safe may you be well but most of all may you remain a true believer